Gilman Scholars, this is your captain speaking. Get ready for takeoff. Hello and welcome to another episode of the A. Gilman Podcast, a podcast produced by the Benjamin A. Gilman Scholarship Team. It's me, Sarah Murray, and I have Chloe Bates joining me today on the podcast. Chloe went abroad with the Gilman Scholarship in 2019 and is now a freelance creative designer, a recent featured subject in an article in the Washington Post, and a virtual intern most recently with the U.S. Department of State. Thanks for joining us, Chloe. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so excited to have this opportunity to talk more about Gilman because I love it. (laughs) Um, I just graduated from the University of Maryland where I majored in communication and Spanish, um, but I did spend most of my time doing graphic design and pursuing design. Um, And I studied abroad in Spain in my junior year um, in a language and cultural immersion program, which I absolutely loved. Um, And while I was abroad, one of the highlights of my experience was attending a Gilman Regional Career Summit, which was a really unique opportunity um, and led me to being a virtual intern with State. Um, So I really love every opportunity I've had to kind of speak about my experience and how much I love it. Um, And I definitely always really enjoy combining any of my creative skills with my language skills, particularly to have a meaningful, positive impact in my community. And then in my free time for fun, I really love animals and I ride horses and teach horseback riding lessons to kids. Wow. That sounds super fun. Super fun. I can't wait to dive more into all that you are, but I guess to kick things off officially, you were a part of a 2020 graduating class from the University of Maryland. Huge congrats to you. Thank you. (laughs) So where did Gilman take you during your time in undergrad? And tell us more about that experience. The spring semester of my junior year, I went to Sevilla, Spain um, through a program with my university, um, again, as part of being a Spanish major. I really loved this program, not only because Spain is the best country ever, but also because... <laughs> not biased, um, No, not biased at all. <laughs> Every country is wonderful. I really loved Spain. <laughs> um, but I found that being immersed in a host family and taking all Spanish classes and being in a less touristy city was a really valuable um, way to study abroad that a lot of my friends didn't have the opportunity to do. So I was very excited that I got the Gelman Scholarship to help me do that. One of the absolute highlights of my entire study abroad experience was um, Gilman had its actually first ever regional career summit in Portugal the semester that I was abroad. And it was like a three-day workshop all about international careers, um, just for Gilman scholars. And I think there were about 30 or 40 students there from all over Europe. Actually, some of them are from Morocco. I mean, like we're studying abroad in Morocco. Some of them were studying abroad in the UK. Really diverse array of scholars. Um, And it made the scholarship feel so much more personal and connected, which I really loved. I learned about um, VSFS. And I got my internship with State Department. So that was a really amazing thing that I fully credit to Gilman. um, Because if I had not gone abroad and gone to their summit, I wouldn't have learned about that. Um, So yeah, that was one of my favorite parts about Gilman. Um, Another cool thing is actually all my friends right now in this crazy pandemic job economy world 
all of my Gilman friends who I met from that conference because most of them are like my best friends now. Um, we all have jobs. <laughs> That's fantastic to hear. Um, and also great yeah. to hear that you guys are still connected, even only able to be together for like those three days of the conference. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Very cool. Best people ever. <laughs> oh, you know, Gilman, Gilman scholarship recipients tend to be, but again, not biased. Here. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> and when we spoke previously, you mentioned that you developed your interests and key talents and sort of the creative industry during your time in undergrad. Mm -hmm. How did you discover that as one of your passions? I, it started pretty early on. Um, obviously like every kid likes to draw. I guess I really like to draw and my mom really encouraged the habit. Um, so she signed me up for a lot of art camps and art classes and I took free community art classes. And then I actually went to a pre-professional fine art high school so then after that, I was kind of burnt out from the really traditional fine art experience, but I definitely knew that I still wanted something really creative, but I had kind of had this like constant ongoing interest in web design and more digital media. So in college, I really had the opportunity to pursue internships, um, and kind of start focusing on graphic design more for myself and for fun. And yeah, that was a really great chance for me to kind of dive into that and explore yeah, very it. Very cool. And then the Extra Smile Project is one example of a, a campaign of sorts that you spearheaded that was kind of a, a merging of two of your strongest interests, um, mm -hmm. you know, artistic creativity, like you've mentioned already, and then mm -hmm. also talking about mental health. Yeah. Could you tell us more about that project and then highlight for us any of your other creative projects that are special yeah. and, and near and dear to you? <laughs> yeah. Um, the Extra Smile Project was my sophomore year capstone as part of my honors college experience at UMD. It's just a series I made of GIFs, GIFs if you prefer that one, <laughs> but um, just about tra me trying to condense all this information I'd learned into really c easy to consume, um, kind of fast visual elements that you would be able to absorb and carry into your life okay. in the setting of just scrolling through social media. Um, but then the way I set it up is then if you wanted to, you could really dive in and research each of the things related to each GIF. So, and that's really a reflection of my interest in positivity and mental health. But um, so <laughs> I, I am really interested in using design as an agent of change and as a really meaningful force in the world and how we navigate the world. So the Extra Smile Project was kind of my, one of my earlier exploration, one of my earlier serious explorations into using design for that. But I also, outside of capstones, I had a lot of internships doing graphic design where I was exploring it in a more kind of traditional commercial sense. Um, I actually did most of my graphic design for nonprofits, which was a really amazing experience to learn how they work and all these different mm -hmm. missions of organizations that I was interested in. Like one project that I really enjoyed was the Baltimore Water Taxi, which is this really old institution in Baltimore and it's literally a water taxi. But that was a really fun challenge because I was thinking about making schedules and promoting it. And I grew a lot as a designer in that experience. And I was able to take that information with me to other internships, including my virtual internship with the State Very Department. Cool. Thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah. Despite the global pandemic affecting 
I would, I think it's okay to say most in-person activities, such as, you know, internships. Yeah. You have the opportunity to still intern with the U.S. Department of State, but doing mm-hmm. so virtually. Um, and you did that with VSFS. Mm-hmm. What, what exactly is that? What does it stand for? And what were some of your initial reservations about joining this virtual internship program? Yeah, great question. VSFS stands for Virtual Student Federal Service. People used to think it meant Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. It does not. (laughs) I just realized that. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's not Victoria's (laughs) Secret. It's Virtual Student Federal Service. And it is an entire giant virtual internship program. But it's run through the State Department. And the way it works is... Uh, like different federal agencies can create projects for hiring um, student interns virtually. And it has all the biggest agencies you could think of, like CIA and FBI and NASA and State Department, Department of Defense, they all hire students virtually through this program. And I was definitely nervous because Mm -hmm. I had never considered, even, I never even thought I would ever have a role working for government um, because being a creative and having a creative background, it didn't really seem like there was a need for my skill set. I mean, also just the idea of doing an internship virtually for, I'm sure if you've done a normal internship, they're already overwhelming enough. So it kind of sounds like a scary concept of jumping in to this entire thing, but not in person. But um, interactions being a big part of, you know, yeah, adapting and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But with our lovely Zoom and any other video conferencing um, and some good time management and organization, it was actually a very feasible task and wasn't particularly daunting. That's really great to hear. And then you kind of touched upon this just a tad bit, but mm-hmm. since completing the program, were there any unexpected benefits that you found of interning virtually and why may you recommend the experience to others? Yeah. Oh my God. So many benefits. I <laughs> loved my experience so much. It was one of the top highlights for me of my senior year of college was this internship oh, program. That warms my heart. Yeah. No, it was the best. I loved it so much. I got very lucky to have an amazing mentor and supervisor who really brought me into the fold and gave me interesting, meaningful work, which I think a lot of um, mentors who do sign up for VSFS because agencies have to opt in and mentors have to opt in and make the effort to participate in the program. So I think they're uniquely motivated employers. Um, okay. So my mentor did this amazing job of again, like giving me really meaningful, true projects. And then also help like helping me see the bigger picture of the the work I was doing and how it played into the broader role of my office and my agency and my bureau. Um, She also was really considerate about giving me credit for all my projects and looping me in to see feedback. So I actually don't think I've really had at that same scale, wow. even at in-person internships. Very satisfying. Yeah, so satisfying and reward, really, really rewarding. And it just made the work feel so much more meaningful. Like I knew it was meaningful, but it was nice to see that other people thought it was too. Yes, most definitely. Um, so while I was interning, um, I made so many connections, even though it was virtual. 
And I think that that's the biggest fear a lot of students might have about doing a virtual internship is losing the networking opportunity. Um, I don't think that's true at all because Mm -hmm. I connected with a lot of people um, on a meaningful level that I'm still in touch with about six months after my internship has ended um, and who have all made themselves available to me to talk to them about their careers and to give me advice and to give me guidance on a career with state or a career with the government. Um, So that was a really huge benefit of VSFS. That's fantastic. And how did it maybe alter the outlook you had on your career trajectory overall? Yeah, really good question. Um, a lot, kind of dramatic 180. <laughs> oh, wow. Before I thought, okay, literally, <laughs> yeah. Because before I thought, okay, well, I'll just kind of keep going down the traditional graphic design line. Maybe I'll get a cool design job at like a nonprofit or something. Because that was really the only exposure yeah. I had. Mm-hmm. I until VSFS, I had no clue that the government needed people with creative skills. Cause I always just thought of the government being like a lot of analysts and social scientists or something. I remember I was so excited when you apply to VSFS, um, you can choose up to, I think three different projects and you can search for projects. So you can look based on the skills that you have that you want to be using. Uh-huh. So yeah, there are, I mean, there are so many interesting projects. So that was kind of my first clue in. And then once I was there and had so many people reaching out, I was like, oh, this is really, this is a thing. It's not just this kind of random freak coincidence in the universe. Um, so that was really cool. So now I'm very much team government. Um, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to working with state department. Woohoo! Um, yeah. And then, um, the other thing that I really got a better understanding of being a virtual intern is how non-competitive eligibility mm. works, which is kind of this mysterious concept I think for a lot of Gilman scholars because everybody like I hope that every Gilman scholar knows when you complete your program you have non-competitive eligibility or NCE that they do um yeah yeah. the confusing part is what does it mean and how do you use it um so one of the projects which I actually brought to the table where I emailed my mentor and said hey would this be helpful for me to do is to make an infographic all about NCE and how it can apply to Gilman students but also um other international exchange alumni um so learning about that and how to utilize it um was super helpful so, and you kind of, because not everybody knows what it is, you kind of have to say, I have this, this is what it means. This, this might help you as an employer to hire me and also an employee. Um, <laughs> and understand more about who yeah. you are and the fact that you're Gilman yeah. and what all that amazing things that mm-hmm. it can imply. Yeah, exactly. So I think that um, it was really, really helpful for me to get a better understanding of that. Yes, and also future applicants who are thinking about careers in the government in any capacity um, can know about when you're applying, but something that you can also um, think about as a reason to apply for the Gilman Scholarship. Yeah. And then- Yeah, totally. You've mentioned that you've had a chance to design for nonprofits, the government, but do you have maybe a dream nonprofit or brand that you'd want to design for? That is- such a good question. Um, I spent the summer in Wyoming 
And when I was there, I could not stop thinking about forest service and national parks. I think that that would be, I remember I was in Yellowstone looking in the map that National Park Service was handing out and thinking, oh, this would be so fun to design. But again, also kind of really taps into that meaningful design and design for change that I personally am super interested in. The second you said Wyoming, my first thought was, hmm, I wonder if she's going to mention Yellowstone because I had a chance to visit that national park when I was much younger and probably the most beautiful place I've ever seen yeah, in this country. Yeah, totally, same. One of your passions um, is speaking and educating others on like mental health and mental wellness, which I think is amazing. What have been some of your personal challenges with developing your own mental health and mental wellness practices? Um, mental health is not easy for anybody and it's kind of really hard to figure out your own personal feelings with it. Um, I think that kind of a, a really big turning point for me was when I was studying abroad. Um, if you can't tell, I'm Asian. You might, you can't tell from listening if you saw the cover of the podcast, I'm Asian. Um, <laughs> and I studied abroad in Spain and Spain does not have the world's biggest Asian population, especially in Southern Spain. That was a very different experience for me. Not the way that Asian people are spoken to and interacted with in Spain is really different in many ways than the way they are here in the U.S. Um, and there was a lot more daily racism and there were a lot of microaggressions. I'm sorry to hear that. And it really put a lot of things into perspective for me it was kind of the turning point to where I was like, oh, I should probably spend a little more time unpacking my identity. Then I came home and I really started thinking about, okay, what does it mean for me to be Asian? What does it mean for me to be Asian in the world, but also to be Asian in Baltimore city where there really are not that many Asian people. Um, and within the larger national conversation of racism and, um, you know, white supremacy or any of these challenges that we're grappling with as a nation, like wh where do I fit in? Um, and how can I support other communities and other marginalized identities? And what is my role as an ally and how can I show solidarity, but how can I also advocate for myself? That's also very important. Mm -hmm. So those are all those have been some of my biggest challenges because even though these sound like, you know, larger patterns, what I realized when I was studying abroad is that, oh, wow, these larger systems at play that I kind of could ignore before, they're trickling down and affecting me day to day a lot more than I realized. Well, I'm saddened that you had experiences of microaggressions and daily racism while you were abroad in Spain, but I'm grateful that it at least opened you up to an opportunity to learn and discover a bit more about yourself and your culture and how it plays into like society at oh, large. Oh, totally. Yeah. Sort of on the same topic of the minority mm -hmm. experience, what do you think becomes challenging about practicing talking or even mm -hmm. like seeking help yeah. Um, to help diagnose mental illness and mental wellness for minorities in particular, just from your own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, again, like these are my personal experiences and I can't speak for everybody, but 
there are so many barriers to finding professionals. Um, there are a lot of systemic barriers in place and financial barriers that make it really, really difficult to access his resources. Um, there is a lot of stigma at large in the nation, but I think especially within minority communities, because these professionals and these resources have kind of been out of reach for such a long time. Um, but then a, an added layer of challenge for any minority or person of color um, is finding a therapist who understands the unique challenges that um, minorities experience and how these frame daily lives. I personally tried like maybe five therapists before I settled on the one that I have now um, because it is really hard to feel like I mean, it's already hard to figure out, is this therapy, is this person a good fit for me? Can they help me? Like, that's already hard for anybody. But when you add on the layer of, do you understand um, the additional complexities that I am facing that uh, your other clients might not be? Um, and can you... Makes sense. Yeah. And um, so trying a lot of therapists is hard and challenging. And that's another <laughs> another barrier. I can imagine that, that would just be just like really daunting and really demotivating. I'm like, why it am is I very so demotivating? Yeah, it's, it's exhausting because you're trying to explain all these things over and over and over. And it is, it's a really big challenge. Um, so even though it was exhausting and it was draining and overwhelming, it each time that I found somebody who was a great therapist in their own right, just not the right fit for me, um, kind of re helped me really put into perspective how important that was for me to find somebody who understood on a fundamental level and shared these same fundamental views I did. Another challenge is that there, even though we do have this improved dialogue about mental health and about the accessibility of mental health, but um, even with this like improved narrative, I still don't think that the narrative or the movement has been inclusive. Yeah. Are the apps mm -hmm. accessible to begin with? Do you oh even have Wi-Fi or a so, computer at home? Personal devices, so that's such a huge yeah. privilege so, and not everyone has that. Exactly. And not, a lot of people don't have privacy at home to do a therapy exactly. session. There are so like, many challenges. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of other people who identify as a minority um, would ex might experience is how much should you prioritize your mental health over something like work? I guess on a more positive note or sort of more forward thinking note, <laughs> in the case of students, young adults who are trying to operate as normal during a pandemic, or even for students who will embark thinking positively on study abroad adventures in the future, what are some relatively simple or somewhat easy steps that one can do to improve their mental health and mental wellness during this time? Especially if you're going abroad, one thing to really consider is, can you do teletherapy while studying abroad? Um, or does the program that you're going abroad with have any counselors or resources available, but also one of the ones that, that if a Dressed can have the biggest difference, if that made sense, um, is staying connected with a support system. When, as I was kind of going through these fairly novel challenges in Spain, 
suddenly I was at this conference with like 30 or 40 other people who had a lot in common with me and who I could talk to about. And they were really um, like validating and supportive. And so my Gilman friends really have turned into such a valuable support system. Um, Another thing that I swear by that I love is a mood tracking app. And I love this because it helps you kind of see what your mood is like day to day. And one of my favorite apps, it's called Mood Path, although I think they're changing their name. I love it because it like sends me notifications three times a day to check in and it asks me questions. But every two weeks, it gives you like a little kind of diagnosis on your mental health and says, hey, here's how you're doing. Oh my God, I'm scared Um, to ask, is the app free? Yeah, (gasps) it is free. Oh my gosh, everyone download it right now. (laughs) Yeah, so I love it. And it's really nice to see progress and, or, you know, if you're not seeing progress to say, oh, okay, here's something I can kind of work on. And then for studying abroad, one of the things that really helped me stay balanced um, was kind of really still pursuing my hobbies while I was abroad and finding an equivalent in my host country. I, I find that I can save certain activities. It's kind of like a sanctuary. So I can go do something that I enjoy just because I enjoy it. There's no pressure. There's no financial obligation or pressure. Um, And it kind of leaves me free to really relax and be present in this activity that I really like. That was truly so insightful, Chloe. Thank you so much. Listeners, I am quite quite literally taking some notes right now. Um, But unfortunately, we are nearing the end of this episode. But Chloe, before I have you officially leave us... I'd love to hear about a dream travel destination or international experience that you want to have in the future. Ever since I was little, I've been really obsessed with Mongolia, Um, mostly because I'm a horse nerd (laughs) and Mongolia has one of the coolest horse populations, one of like really truly the last wild horse. Yes. Wow. Sounds like it would quite literally be where you should maybe move in the future and just live there forever or at least retire there. I don't know. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Fulbright research. Perfect. (laughs) And then could you maybe tell us a bit more about how listeners could get in contact with you after this episode airs? Yeah. If you want to find me online, I am there. My Instagram is Chloe Rose Bates. Um, Bates like Bates Motel. Um, and my LinkedIn is Chloe R. Bates. And I also have a website where you can see my portfolio and find me as well. And that is ChloeBates.co.co.com. Chloe, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, hopefully you listeners were able to take note on all of Chloe's amazing suggestions. And thank you so much for sharing your personal story with us. And I think everyone will greatly benefit from that. Um, please don't hesitate. Give us five stars and leave a review so we can continue to grow our audience and reach more people just like you all. And tune in to our next episode launching December 1st. Okay, till next time. Mm-hmm.